Well, hello, hello, everyone. It's Brad Boyson joining you live as a podcast, that is, from Dubai. It is, uh, we're entering the early weeks of November here, and we are entering the halfway point of our HR learning. And uh, as some of you know, we do a preemptive podcast before every learning session that we do on Tuesdays. And we're fortunate enough to have Rhonda Farah join us from Beirut. Hi, Rhonda. Hello, how are you? Good, good, good. So we're going to uh, talk a little bit more about your session on Tuesday and perhaps a little bit about your academy. But before we do that, Fahad, why don't we take a quick commercial break? Yep, let's take it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, by the way. I forgot to do my intro. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting too efficient. Exactly, let's go to the break. Wow, I learned a lot as a mentor. Say, make us think. Um, that they said it was rather than because you're in the webinars that, that way you spread what's really interesting when we started this program the tagline for this was okay we're back and again we have our uh, HR learning learning session mentor joining us from Beirut Rhonda Farah hello Rhonda welcome back hello Great so, to see you again. Too. Yeah, it's great, to, great to have you, and thank you for for uh, meeting with us for this podcast. And as some people know, we we really keep the podcast as a complement to the learning session. Uh, it's not as sort of, if you will, uh, formal or scripted. But we have we're so lucky to have such experts like yourself uh, presenting your uh, your knowledge, your wisdom, and sharing it with our community. And uh, we obviously wanted to give you a chance to perhaps talk a little bit more about yourself, some of the areas that you're working on right now in these challenging times, but maybe for the benefit of our audience that don't know you, maybe just a brief introduction about you and maybe your academy. Okay, so I've been working HR for uh, almost uh, 14 or 15 years uh, so far. And I've worked in different industries and different uh, positions, so mostly in recruitment training. And uh, I've done like plenty of uh, assessment centers all over the world with uh, one of the companies I've worked with. And uh, now I founded uh, I Have Learned Academy, which is a place where we uh, share everything that we did not learn at school. So there are so many things that no one really taught us and uh, we had to learn the hard way. And I always said to myself, like, why do we have to learn things the hard way? Why no one taught me this or that before so that I gained, <laughs> I, I would have gained lots of time. And I wish I knew then what I know now. So this was be, uh, behind my idea of uh, I have learned academy. And this is why we teach things that are really a bit uh, uh, different from anything you have seen uh, anywhere. So, for example, how to deal with toxic people or how to read food labels or uh, I don't know, like topics that you don't really learn in a school. And I'm also a master NLP practitioner and uh, I'm a certified trainer from the UK. And one of my passions is happiness at work. Uh, I'm a certified happiness at work uh, specialist from Denmark. And uh, my passion is also everything related to stress management and personal growth. So basically also my, my family name is Farah and it means happiness. So <laughs> I don't know if it's by coincidence, but uh, <laughs> uh, it should be my mission in life, actually. <laughs> there's, some, there's some studies. I forget who was the expert. I read a book several years ago. Some of you may have read it too. Is 
family names have an impact on people's careers and uh, sometimes it lasts for for decades if not generations so that I didn't know that I'm guessing Fahad knew that but I, I didn't know that 100% in the Middle East that's number one for trust me yeah before anything yeah. else interesting <laughs> Interesting. And so I think you've alluded to, but maybe a little bit more about, I mean, sometimes people ask me why I got into HR. How did you come into this unique ecosystem that you're developing? What was, what was the catalyst for that many years ago, aside from the family name? Like, you mean, how did I get into HR from the start? Well, what you're developing is, is very unorthodox. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like someone who sort of studies medicine and then they go in a different direction. So you've created a, a solution that I think a lot of people would say, wow, this is really useful. This is, you know, why didn't someone do this sooner to use your expression? But yeah. what got you started in that before? Like, how did you come to where you are now? So, you know, I've been working in HR and I studied HR and I have uh, also, I'm a, I'm a university instructor in HR management. And even while teaching at university or training, I always noticed that people have questions that uh, uh, no one can answer or that maybe there's no course for that. And uh, also, uh, if we look at, uh, for example, um, the, the method of teaching, like, for example, when I am giving a course at university, I feel that my students give me feedback that they don't give for any other uh, professor because I use a very different approach and different techniques and I give them tips for life. And this, is, uh, this makes a big impact. And also, like, as I told you before, the fact that I wish I learned some of the stuff before and... Um, uh, this all pushed me to do this. And actually, another important thing is that I worked in recruitment for a very long time. And you know, when you work in recruitment, uh, there's a very big uh, importance that we give for the behavioral side. So uh, there's uh, like, let's say you have two people graduated from the same university from with the same almost experience. One of them could be brilliant and the other one no, because they have a different attitude, they have initiative, they have they worked on themselves, they know how to manage themselves, they have self-leadership, they have uh, good time management, good stress management, and this is learned, and uh, they have emotional intelligence. So who told them this? Some of them, okay, they worked on themselves, they read books, they have this personality also, uh, or family uh, that affected positively their, their personality or their, the way they are, but some others didn't have this chance and they want to learn it or they want also to succeed. So who will teach them this? I decided to be one. <laughs> who will, who will I think be? it's amazing. I really think that's amazing because it's so unorthodox. Um, it's, it's, and I mean the word in the, in the spectrum sense, it's risky uh, because it involves a lot of uh, swimming against the stream. But I also anticipate that it's probably been very rewarding for you personally. And uh, as you're saying this, I'm sure a lot of people listening would think this. I, I, I think back to my own learning interventions, if that's the word you want to use, in times where I had situations where I said, oh, I wish I had learned this earlier. You know, it just, why didn't someone? And, and there's so many different reasons when I look back on it. Why? One, sometimes it's just the capability of the instructor. They, they were extremely well-intended, but they didn't either have the skill, the talent to, to imbue that in a way that educated me 
And sometimes, if I'm really honest, I don't think they understood the subject very well. You know, like I, I think of the calculus that I learned in university, not that I ended up becoming, you know, a mathematician, but it wasn't until I had someone explain to me calculus in a different way mm. using set theories and sort of infinite constructs that, it, you know, because yeah. when you start teaching the way we're typically taught, okay, if you're on a train going this way and you're on a train going this way and how fast does it need to accelerate to meet at the station at this time? that doesn't grab people in a human way that learning needs. So I, I, I love the story that you had to tell and I'm going to put you on a spot, but I expect it's not the spot. Who are some of the people, books, authors, mentors, experts, speakers that you would say have been the two or three people that you've learned the most from? Hmm. Um, well, there's so many, I, but the first book I've read was for Dale Carnegie. He was like, okay. I was like maybe 14 and I was yeah. like, wow, He's so, like, he was talking about things that I felt passionate about. And then there was Stephen Covey, Tony Robbins, all these. But one that really made a difference was Jack Canfield. Okay. Uh, Jack Canfield was really like, a, wow, because he had a book called The Success Principles. And when I read it, it has, like, many principles in two pages each. And it's, like, really secrets of life, small uh, things but they make a huge difference. And what I love about him is that he explains complicated things in a very simple way. And this is what I always do in my sessions. Like, and this is actually what I think any trainer should do because some of the trainers or, or, or maybe authors as well, they take complicated concepts and use complicated terms. And this is not what people need. People want you to do the job of simplifying this complicated information. And I would definitely say Jack Canfield had a very big, uh, role in that. Can I, can I ask how old were you when you read Jack? Uh, well, maybe two in my twenties, like 20, 24, 25, like that. Because I mean, someone who reels, reads Dale Carnegie at fourteen is not <laughs> typical. <laughs> I, I mean that in the most complimentary way. That's Thank uh, you. <laughs> it's uh, it's it shows a level of curiosity that's that's beyond one's years. So um, yeah. And uh -huh. I've read that Stephen Sorry, Covey was at 18 and then yeah. uh, Tony Robbins and then uh, Jack Cancel. Well, I, I just think that that compass that, that you're using that all of us have, you know, is, is we shouldn't be afraid to follow our own compass. And even if it's not something that ends up being somewhere that we stay, that we do, that we practice, sometimes learning what you like is learning what you don't like. And the sooner you mm -hmm. get that through, you know, your, your experiences, it has a value, even if it maybe seemed quite negative at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Fahad? Yeah, I totally agree. I'm just looking into uh, Jack Canville, the website right now. And I think uh, he does a lot of things or basically in terms of uh, human potential and psychology and other stuff. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think as, as Randa mentioned, uh, personality plays a huge role in terms of uh, this aspect. So I think uh, when you improve the, the psychology point of view or the human or even I could say the, the personality and character, I think you will have a better better uh, person in, in terms of uh, not, not the technical part. It's also from the elements of being a social and being corporate. I have a question for you, uh, Randa. I don't know if it's a tricky question or not, but... From a curiosity point of view, uh, making life uh, making uh, life easier on some people is destroying them. What do you think about that? 
I didn't hear the last word. I, I mean, I mean, making life easier to some yeah. people is like destroying them. You're, uh, for example, not building the curiosity, not building the toughness part of it, making everything ready for them. People might take everything. Yeah. What do you respond to these people? Actually, you know, there's no secret formula. There's no that they will attend the session and their life will be easier. You know, it's not this. Mm -hmm. It's actually an eye opener. So uh, if people are struggling with stress for, very, uh, for a very long time and they attend a stress management course, it's not that, okay, they went home and their life is easier. It's just a way like a, uh, you know, a slap in the face or something that makes them push into, uh, that pushes them into action because what we share is just knowledge and tips and we give them like a toolbox and it's up to them to really use those tools and to put them into practice. So it's, it's simply this, it's just, uh, it's not that uh, there's a pill and then you take it and then your life would be great. <laughs> it's not uh, this, so, but it's a very interesting question because uh, many people think that, okay, we have to learn the hard way, we have to uh, know, discover it ourselves, but uh, yes and no in some areas, because even if they attend a session, they will, uh, they will get uh, new things, they will think about new things, it will expand their horizons. We have, for example, a course named Know Yourself. Uh, it's a program of six weeks uh, and it's a deep self-discovery so people can dive into everything related to them and every, everyone who did already this course was like, wow, I really uh, am thinking about things that I never thought about before. And it's like a shortcut, you know, life is short and you have to know yourself. And some people discover, like, maybe they die before getting to know deeply themselves and what they have, what they like. Uh, maybe they spend their life with the wrong people or do they are in the wrong career. So when they know themselves, uh, it makes uh, things better. But it's the, the job is on them and it will always be. Yeah, I love the word you said uh... We, we empower people with tools and, and knowledge because majority of people uh, assume that they, they attend the course, they think it's like a magic pill, they will just attend, they will have everything, they will go home, they will implement what, what, what they have learned during the course, and then they will be happy or let's say they will be successful. And it turns out after maybe three, four or five years that nothing is happening. So yeah, I like this one That's because... Perfect. Yeah, because Anna, what I noticed, to be honest with you, um, especially this debate, we, myself and Brad, we are having a lot against a lot of uh, course marketing. When they say uh, double your income, uh, triple X your career, whatever, all these stuff, like you're almost giving a guarantee of, of this course. If someone attended, they will get X, Y, Z of yeah. result. And then this is what I, we really love to is empowering mm -hmm. people to a skills. Yeah, um, exactly. We never give like I always start my training by saying what we give you is a toolbox and the job is on you. Like we give the tools and you have to do the, the work. And actually it takes 21 days to form a new habit. So they have to do some of the things for at least 21 days continuously just to gain new habits. Uh, and uh, many people got lots of uh, improvement in their life uh, by using uh, some of the things we share. Yeah, Brad? Well, and the two of you I know are very similar in, in your, your passions around things like engagement and happiness at work. And so I'm, I'm actually kind of uh, asking both of you is sort of what is the, and I'm probably not going to say the question the way I like, but sort of where is that now as a, 
in the field, you know, because especially in the GCC, as you, as you know, Randa, maybe four or five years ago, it was a really hot topic, especially in the UAE. Um, there were ministries set up around happiness. And, and um, I know as an HR sort of expat that I wasn't, I didn't, I still am not really happy with the word happy. You know, I much prefer the word engagement. But I know the history, you know, and, and, and places like Bhutan and, and the UN, I think, has a World Happiness Index and things like that. So I'm not going to, you know, fight with the wave of where the wording came from. But I'm going to ask Randa and then Yufahad as well is sort of where is the happiness engagement movement right now globally? Fahad, would you like to start or I do? Uh, you're the guest and ladies first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, thank you. So uh, basically, you know, they noticed that uh, happy companies make more money and mm -hmm. uh, happy employees are more uh, productive. They are more uh, like engaged. So engagement is also one of the things, of course, related to happiness. They are, they sell more, they are, uh, they have better immunity as well because right. you know when we are depressed or sad or we have this uh, we this you know we are not happy with our work we don't uh, produce well we don't uh, we don't we are not effective in our work and also many people are suffering from uh, difficult people with them at work like for example having a narcissistic boss or uh, difficult colleagues or high competition and this makes people really uh, sick and it affects them in a personal level as well and um, so I, I had the chance actually to personally work with amazing bosses and people but also I had one experience when I had to work with a very 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 difficult uh, boss <laughs> and it was like uh, one of the like I made it a mission to <laughs> to create happiness at work because no one deserves to go through this uh, hell I would call so really it affects people on, on a personal level as well so actually, this is why companies started to implement this new position called Chief Happiness Officer. And we certify uh, now people uh, to become Chief Happiness Officers uh, or CHO because people who care about their employees' happiness, it's, uh, it makes a huge difference. And actually, when we say happiness, it's not just hey, coming happy to work, etc. Like it's not this uh, in this meaning. Uh, of course, there's ups and downs, there's challenges, but, uh, and it's not also satisfaction. So satisfaction is when you are, uh, let's say we have a gym at work or we have, uh, we, we get smoothies to our employees every day. This is not happiness. Uh, so this is satisfaction if we pay them well, if etc. And this is a difference. Like uh, happiness at work come uh, both, uh, mostly from two factors, which is results and relationships. So how much uh, you feel that you're making results, how much you are achieving and the quality of the relationship that you have. And this is what we focus on in our sessions. So uh, mostly it's, uh, it makes a big difference. And also now I would add a new factor to happiness at work, which is wellness at work. And this is some, something I'm gonna add for the next edition of uh, my CHO certification because uh, wellness is now a big factor. People are tired, they are stressed, they are like uh, the corona pandemic, uh, uh, all this uh, economical crisis, uh, this, uh, uh, those problems everywhere and uh, now also in Lebanon we have a lot of <laughs> challenges as well uh, with the banks and all that so people need to take care of, that, of themselves and when when the companies uh, realize this 
uh, and uh, they care about the wellness of their employees, they are also the, the winners because if their employees are tired and drained and sick and all that, you know, like the productivity also would go down and they would lose money. Yeah, it's one of the things I, I like about even going back, watching, you know, this whole satisfaction, engagement, happiness movement, say over the past 20 years is it, it's, we've built upon it in a more constructive way. We've learned from it and um, we don't necessarily say that we got it right the first time and we will keep learning as we do this. And I, I think that's one of the, the takeaways I have. So Fahad, what are your thoughts on sort of the state of the happiness movement in the workplace? Uh, I'd rather to keep the monster sleep. Um, I agree in in some aspects with Randa it's not like I totally disagree I agree with her in in certain areas which is uh, which makes sense by the way but I I, I'm a big firm believer of something called an ROI and everyone knows it so if you want to make happy if you if you want to make the employee happy buy them an ice cream and it's done that's over but how can you guarantee the happiness for the next three five years and then here it comes the engagement factor. Because here I will ask something, uh, I will ask a thing right now, or a couple of people when I ask them this question, are your kids happy with you? And they say, yes, what's the proof? Uh, uh, they don't know. Okay. <laughs> they and don't run away. <laughs> they, exactly, they don't run away. <laughs> they don't run away, is it because they don't have money or because they love you or is it because they don't have an option? Or they never thought about it. So for me, happiness, it's a, it's, for me, I consider it, it's an, a result that we need to aim to it. But what is the machine that will drive and, and produce uh, uh, what you call the happiness? For me, in my point of view, is the engagement. But here is the thing. There is a huge debate in the engagement factor across the globe. Everyone is trying to figure out what is the engagement and, and what is exactly. And, and I think one of the good point that Randa uh, raised is the well-being. And I think we discussed in our previous session with Dr. Klaus about the mental health. Uh, mental health and well-being, it, wa- it has been always there for quite some time. But it may be right now it gets into the surface and get more noticed because of the negative impact that the pandemic had uh, on, on us as an individual from a social and corporate level. But yeah, and I agree with, with a lot of things what Randa said, but for me, is the only, the only like break, break stop point here is I, I work on the core, uh, I could say the core issue rather than just the finishing issue. So I don't go into happiness. I want to see exactly what's really going on with the employee. So if I fix that thing, then probably by default, his happiness is going to come. So it's like the immune system. So you don't go and give painkillers. No, you go and fix the problem. It could be a diabetes. It could be a migraine. It could be something. So fix the core related issue. Then by default, the symptoms will, will, will move on or basically will disappear. So, but there is no right or wrong here, by the way. So everyone has its own way. But what I love is I love the, the diversity in terms of the thoughts. And maybe I think one of the main takeaways that I really love that Rhonda said is happiness is equal to result, relationship, and mental health. This is one of the great uh, points I really love. Yeah, it's, I think for some people who took wellness for granted, either because they had a certain routine or they had worked to develop 
a certain um, prioritization that allowed them to manage their well-being directly or indirectly. Um, all of us, you know, you guys, you know, before the session, I was right. I went for my bike ride. I'm riding my bike a lot more because I have less options available to me to exercise. So my cycling's improving, but other aspects of my physical well-being aren't. So that's not by choice. And I think a lot of people have their own sort of uh, whether it's uh, mental health, physical health, um, routines that have been disrupted by this this work. And I think what I hear both of you saying is that all of us have a responsibility to take more ownership and control over that. And I like what you said, Randa, earlier about working in that toxic workplace. I've done that myself before is I'm not going to let this toxic work face make me toxic. I'm going to challenge myself to overcome this toxicity. And I don't think I'm going to change the world by doing it or change the boss or other things like that. But at a minimum, I'm going to defend my state of mind, you know, in my well-being. And that, that in and of itself, I think, is uh, an important, you know, to come full circle to what you said earlier about, you know, learning. Um, I think all of us need to take sort of that ownership, whatever level we're at in an organization, and not just simply sit back and act like passengers or even stronger, more passive words in our workplace as it relates to uh, what we get out of our work. So for, um, we're getting close to our, our 30 minute time limit. So I wanted to give you a chance, Rhonda, maybe to give some uh, teasers or samplers on, on what you might be talking about on Tuesday without giving away sort of your, your, your full presentation. But yeah, if sure. someone was listening to this right now and they wanted to sort of get a sense of what kind of things you're talking about and why they should make the time and effort to attend, what would you share? Yeah, sure. So basically, we've, we, it's a very challenging time for HR uh, with the coronavirus pandemic. So there's a crisis, uh, also a lot of remote work. So it's not uh, that easy. There's job cutting, uh, lots of stress, uh, dealing with technology in a different way. So the first thing we're going to discuss is the future of the HR profession uh, and how to deal with these changes and challenges. And the second thing we're going to tackle is happiness and wellness at work. So how to practice them despite these hard times and while working from home. So uh, this will be like uh, the two main uh, areas or topics we're gonna discuss. And uh, also we will talk a bit about the HR trends after COVID-19 and uh, some tips to create and maintain happiness and wellness at work, even with remote work and despite all the challenges and even things without a high budget. So you can, uh, there are simple things that you can do. So this is what we Very appropriate, almost uh, too appropriate. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more about what you're going to say. So Fahad, final thoughts for today? Uh, yeah, guys, I just want to uh, really would like to thank Brenda for her time and contribution. And I'm sure uh, personally, everyone who's listening have learned a lot. But before, of course, ending this, uh, this podcast, I really want to emphasize on uh, on every audience and listeners that run the course is is uh, on will be published on our website hopefully today as a brief for further details will be linked into her website so you can have more details which is about chief happiness officer certification which will be in 4th of december am i right Rhonda? 4th of yes. december yeah so oh, yeah. it will be for 10 days i think uh, right 10 days no it's 4 days actually oh, but there's four days. A... Okay. Yeah. 
So it's, uh, it's actually we are checking because this is uh, a live one, but we will have another one online. Uh, yeah, you have any recorded one? Might be. Excuse me. Any recorded one, like for example, pre-recorded? No, no. Okay. It's live because there's a lot of interaction. Okay. Okay. You cannot yeah. just watch it uh, passively, you know. Oh, okay. Uh, I but I sent you another link now, which is yeah. a website to all our events and not only this one. Lovely. Uh, you can check it out as well. It has, uh, so it's ihavelearned.me slash events, www.ihavelearned.me, me slash events. So it has all the upcoming sessions. We have also some free ones and uh, some certifications. Yeah, so I encourage everyone, guys, who's listening to go to ihavelearned.me slash events. It has uh, a lot of events. Uh, God, God bless you, Randa, because you need to manage all this stuff, but it's amazing. So, yeah, and a plus of that, guys, if you have any notice, you can send us a private message through anchor.fm slash hrlearning. We will receive your private message and embed it in our episode. And also, you can listen our, to our full episode on hrlearning podcast, which is available on our website. But in general, or good, everything is amazing. I have personally learned a lot. So you can see, you guys, see the, the notes. A lot wow. of <laughs> so yeah and uh, over to you brad so yeah okay yeah and we encourage everyone to join us tuesdays um at 8 p.m gulf standard time uh for the live uh, learning sessions that we do on hr learning and again i just want to echo fahad's sentiment thank you randov thank you for today's session we look forward to seeing you on tuesday and with that we close out with our tagline please tune in Skill up and pay it forward. Until next time, goodbye from Dubai. Goodbye. Thank you so much. Cheers. Brad. Thank you for this lovely. So, pleasure.